0: Welcome to Bible Study Today. We're very pleased to be able to share God's Word with you all, listeners, and we hope that this will be a a blessing for each of you. There are four of us on the panel today. I'm Len, behind the desk in place of Nick, who's enjoying summer overseas. And then we have...
1: Yes, it's Ken. Now I'm thinking perhaps sometimes, guys, you may be wondering, and girls... Oh, that guy's got a bit of an accent. Where would that be from? Well, I'll give you a bit of a clue, to be sure, to be sure. And that may indicate, yes, I'm Irish, so
2: keep listening. I'm Harvey, a long-retired school teacher, and I enjoy being here.
3: I'm Brenton, and it's always a privilege to be on air. I'm a minister. I have two churches to look after, and I also do hospital chaplaincy work.
0: Yes, um, Brenton will be our facilitator today. I suppose you'd like to know a little bit about me, but that's all you're going to get today. Um, like Harvey, I'm a retired school teacher and also a businessman. So, Brenton, in view of the fact that you're our facilitator, we are very happy that you're able and willing to lead this discussion today.
3: Over to you. Thank you, Lynn. Our discussion today is entitled Sabbath a day of freedom. It's probably not what we all think of when we think of the Sabbath, but before we commence, I would like Ken to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us in our study this morning. Thank you, Ken.
1: Heavenly Father, Lord God, it's a privilege to be here today to share your word. We pray, Heavenly Father, that the Holy Spirit may come into the people's lives that are listening on the other side of these microphones. And we pray, Lord, that their hearts may be moved to seek Jesus while he may be found. We ask this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.
3: Thank you, Ken. There is a text that I'm going to read to you. It says, And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. A most interesting text. But before we um, discuss that in a little more detail, I want to explore a little bit of what we've done in the last couple of weeks. I'd like someone to read Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1. Here we have a summary statement of creation. That's probably the best way I can use to describe it. Harvey, I think you've got that one for us.
2: Thanks. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Is that a summary statement? Very much so. It's yeah. very much a summary statement. What's
3: interesting is if you were to read the book of Exodus, and we're not going to go there specifically, you'll find that when they completed the ark, a similar, uh, completed the tabernacle, a similar summary statement was made. When they entered the promised land and they possessed it, Another similar summary statement that almost says word for word what we've just read. So what we're dealing with here when we're dealing with the Sabbath, you're dealing with an issue where God's creation was perfect. Len, what do you think about God's summary statement in chapter one where he said, behold, it was very good, not good, Mm. very good. Well, perhaps
0: I should (coughs) comment about it is finished. Hmm. Some of us, I know Ken is a very handy man and I can do various things too. When you uh, take on a project, maybe it's a a reconstruction of something that's damaged in the home or maybe something else. When it's finished and you look at it, it's good. It's satisfying. But it's not finished until it's finished. True. And this, uh, I think, relates very much to what we are talking about today with the sabbath while the physical aspects of creation were finished in six days there was a spiritual dimension that yet had to be accomplished and we're talking about
3: that today Mm, thank you Len. here's something just for us to think about and one of our panel may be able to answer it the first full day that Adam and Eve, as we now know them, spent together was what? Sabbath. It was the Sabbath. So what were they actually doing on that day? Resting. Resting because what was their job? What well, had God <coughs> given them to do early? Well
1: the Lord had given them the job of tending the garden looking after things and everything uh, during the six days but the seventh day it was the rest day.
3: Isn't it interesting the very first day they spent together as husband and wife was a rest day instead of working in the garden or tending it or tilling it what does it tell us about how God looked after his creation on the very first day that they were together he looked after everything for the day and that's the theme that starts to come through in our study this week isn't it Len
0: well they didn't actually need a physical rest no because they were created perfect Mm -hmm. and so they didn't need physical rest Friday if you like the sixth day of the week Uh, they were made they were made fit and healthy and strong and all that but the first thing they had to do was rest Rest. Mm -hmm. and not just rest for physical sake but to rest in God because God had made this creation they could see the evidence of God everywhere they looked Mm -hmm. and this was a day to give consideration to God as their creator.
3: Well, they would have been able to do two things, wouldn't they? They would have been able to admire the things that God had made, as in the animals, the birds, the fish, the plants, the trees, and all the rest of it. But they also would have been able to admire the fact that God had made them male and female. Yes. Because we're told that Adam, uh, God saw that it was not good that man be alone, and therefore he gave him help beat for him anyway that's that's the creation story that's the completion statement but uh, in our study today we're going to look at uh, firstly a subject entitled the manner enough and we're moving on very very quickly from the creation down to Israel has left Egypt they're now in the wilderness and uh, they're doing something that they became very very good at complaining and uh, in Exodus chapter 16, uh, you find the story. But I would like someone to just read for us, perhaps starting at about verse 17. Ken, could you read verse 17 for us of sure. Exodus 16? They, they had no food. They were complaining about a lack of food.
1: Just read, you know, the King James Version here. Sure. Uh, mm. So we're in Exodus 16 and verse 17. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more, some less. And when they did share it out with an, an, an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating.
3: Okay, so what was it that was provided for them, Lee? Mm-hmm. Well it was called what do we mm, know it as?
1: It was
0: called manna. It was like a flaky substance which was found on the ground in the morning, in the early morning, and this must have been a very wholesome food because these people lived on that for nearly forty years. That's right. Mm. So mm. it provided all that they needed and it was a miracle food.
3: Yeah, It's it's interesting, isn't it, that um, what you read, Ken, was that they were together according to, I guess, the number of people they had in their household. In other words, if there was a mum, dad and ten kids, you would need a lot of manna. If there was a mum, dad and one child, you wouldn't need as much, much. But each person had enough. Harvey, have you got any comment on that? Because I'm going to cross-reference in a second to John chapter 6, where a similar statement is actually made.
2: Well, it's... A lot of things that are interesting about this manner the actual meaning of the word manner is they knew not what it was basically yes. yes that's correct and you know it came out of the the sky mm-hmm. and as len said it must have been incredibly nutritious but when you started this study today you made the comment they started doing what was they were good at they started <laughs> complaining <laughs> Yes. Um, because immediately they sort of well not immediately but after a while they felt that what they were getting didn't have enough variety together. so but the provision was a miracle it was a miracle every day and I'm sure were you going to comment about Friday
3: most assuredly <laughs> most assuredly we're just cross referencing at the moment Len you've got your hand up something was really <coughs> curious right um,
0: I've read this many times before. Right. But it says that, um, and when they measured it by the Omer, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Now, this in itself is rather curious. Would that mean, and I'm throwing this out as a bit of a red herring, would that mean that somebody who was a bit lazy and only got half as much as they really needed and then they decided to have a sit down did they have enough it's a good point in its in itself it's rather interesting but I believe there is in this little statement a um, a simile if you like to Calvary you see the Lord forgives us whether we have done great sins or much smaller sins and this little statement here reminds me of that that the the blood of jesus covers our sins whether mm-hmm. we are a great sinner or we're not so much a bad sinner
3: that's that's a good point um could someone read john 6 verse 12 and uh, thir- 11 and 12 for us please harvey perhaps i'll get you to read that the reason for doing this is to cross reference to see that even here in one of the best-known miracles that Christ ever performed, the feeding of the 5,000, let's see exactly what the provision was and what the outcome actually was. John 6, verse 11
2: and 12. John six, eleven and 12. Thank you. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed it to the disciples, and the disciples to them who were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Okay, what do we learn from this?
3: Is there a direct connection between what we read in Exodus 16, how each person had enough and no more? But here you have a situation where each person amongst the 5,000, and let's not get it wrong, there were more than 5,000 people who were fed that day. Uh, There were 5,000 men, plus women and children. Uh Len, I think you had your hand up. In regard to a comment on this I can see some very clear connections here
0: Well just like (coughs) the manna was provided In the uh, wilderness And it was a miracle food Here again We have evidence of A God given miracle food I mean they had If you like a basic Substrate of the meal But the Lord blessed it And multiplied it And everybody had enough In Mm. fact there was more than enough Yeah
2: Harvey, oh, I was just going to say, there's a little bit of a difference because it said in the talking about the manner that they had what was needed. If they gathered whatever they gathered was what they required, mm-hmm. but the uh, feeding of the five thousand, mm. they send out and they what they get twelve baskets of. They picked up extras. twelve
3: baskets. It's interesting that a uh, an author who has written on this subject has indicated that. What actually happened is that food that was gathered up was given to the people to take home to their families, who may not have come to hear Jesus. We call it a doggy bag, them. don't we? Yeah, we would call it a doggy <laughs> bag today. But basically, what does it tell us about God? I think it tells us it a gives lot all of that's necessary, yes, Jesus is necessary, but no more.
1: Mm. I think it's also interesting to, to note that uh, he trying to teach people in the very beginning here that you only take what you need. Because people have a habit of gathering everything in sight. And also here in John, it's uh, also explaining that even though uh, there's lots of people fed, nothing was wasted because food is very valuable.
0: Yes, yes, good point. Len? Yes, it reminds me very much of the statement that was made. The Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you or for thee. And. That's kind of demonstrated in both these stories. And there was another occasion when Jesus fed Mm 4,000. Same kind of situation. There was enough. In fact, there was even more than enough. Now, I I want to bring this out because I have had um, occasion to speak with a lady one time. She said, God can't forgive me. What I've done is so bad. God can't forgive me. And I tried to remind her of what the Lord had said, my grace is sufficient Sufficient for for thee. thee." You cannot out-sin God's grace. Mm. Isn't that good news? And and that's demonstrated in these two stories.
3: Mm.
2: It is. Harvey? Well, there's a text that specifically says... Where sin abounds, grace does much much more more abound. abound. So that fits that perfectly.
3: Harvey, you touched on something earlier. You said, are you going to touch on the sixth day? Well, of course we are. So (laughs) we're back to Exodus chapter 16. And what were they told to do? What did Moses tell them as a command from God that they were to do on the Friday? Ken?
1: Well, on the Friday, the day just before the Sabbath, they were to gather up an extra portion because the lord said there will be no manna delivered to you on the sabbath so they had to to collect a a following day's allotment of food
3: now if they did that sunday monday tuesday wednesday or thursday what happened to it or even friday
1: well what happened was the the food wouldn't last uh, once they had all been fed correctly or, or had enough what they wanted the food would go off and was unusable
3: Mm, I think it says it uh, bred worms, doesn't it? And it's dank. It's
2: It's interesting. The whole issue of the Friday manor and Sabbath is amazing because every Sabbath they got reminded that it was Sabbath. Yes. Because there was no manor on the Sabbath. It was God gave enough for them to pick up twice as much on a Friday so that it would carry over for sabbath whereas during the week if they'd done that they would just had a stinking mess
3: yes yeah.
0: i see a whole lot of spiritual applications of oh, so this <laughs> somebody let's say it was wednesday and they thought oh well i can't be bothered going out on the next day i'm going to get a double lot and we've just heard what happened to it It went stink and stinky and bred worms and they had to be thrown out that reminds me of this that when we try to earn our salvation on our own by doing what we think are the necessary steps to secure salvation, it's not good enough it doesn't it doesn't do It's just like piling up a big pile of um, manna on one day and expecting it to last no we are we are reminded that our salvation is only through what God gives us. And part of um, pleasing God, of
2: course, is doing what he says. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lane. Um, Harvey. Just a little point also that if a person chose to ignore what God said to do and, some of them and them decided did. to wait till <laughs> Sabbath and mm-hmm. and get what they were supposed to get on Sabbath. On Friday. What they should have got on yeah. Friday, but they mm. thought they were supposed to get on Sabbath. Um, there wasn't any there and so they had to go without but the interesting part there spiritual lesson for that is god is particular he said don't do it or do it whichever the Mm. issue was Mm. at the time and if they went against it they suffered for it when i say suffered as in they either missed out or they ended up with smelly uh, manner yeah. you know. if they
0: mm. did it the other way mm. so Not just manner then, it was like manure yeah,
3: <laughs> Probably well put then. I'm going to read verse 28 of chapter 16 of Exodus and let's have a look at our Bibles together because this is the most interesting text. I'll start at verse 27 actually. Now it happened that some of the people, as you said Harvey went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. But the next verse is particularly instructive And the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Here is a very important principle for those who believe that the Sabbath and the law was instituted at Sinai. This happened before Sinai. Mm. And you cannot make a statement, How long are you going to disobey my laws and commandments if you don't have a prior knowledge of those laws and commandments? Correct. Is that a fair comment? Mm. Yes.
0: Yeah, Mm. that's right.
3: So uh, that's that's actually a very important point. But then we move on to another aspect of the Sabbath, um, where we find in two references in Exodus twenty verse eight to eleven, and Deuteronomy five twelve to fifteen, the Sabbath commandment is stated in both. However, it's stated in a slightly different way. Ken, I wondered if you could read Exodus twenty eight to eleven, and Len, maybe you could read Deuteronomy five twelve to fifteen. And as we're discussing this, let's have a look at these two verses and see what is similar and what is different (coughs) and what principle is being brought out in these two renditions of the Sabbath commandment. Sorry, that was 28? Yes, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to to 11. Sorry, (coughs) Sorry, not 28. 8 to 11. Thank you.
1: Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days thou shalt labour and do all thy work.
3: Thank you, Ken. What is the principle that has been brought out in this, shall we say, the best known of the two <coughs> statements in the Bible that enunciate the Ten Commandments? What is the principle on which they are commanded to keep the Sabbath holy? They were to remember
0: their Creator yes. as God, okay. their God as
3: Creator. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, now then, by way of contrast, can you read yours, which in many respects says the same thing, but actually has something different tacked on at the end. All right. It says uh, Deuteronomy 5,
0: verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor daughter, nor his manservant, nor maidservant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an
3: outstretched arm. Okay, so here we have two, shall we say, renditions of the fourth commandment. One is asking us to remember God's Sabbath as a sign of his creatorship of everything. But the other one, then, is based on what that you just read? It's redemption. Yes. One is creation, the other is redemption. Can you see that? There's, mm. uh, there's two different things playing out here. Now let's delve into them a little bit more. Who are specifically mentioned in both groups that are to rest on the Sabbath? This is what I really like about these two renditions.
1: Well, basically, everyone is to rest, including the animals.
3: Thank you. Including the animals. Mm. What does this tell us about God's care for his creation? Not just those of us created in his image.
1: No, well, it, it shows us that God cares for everything that he made And of course, animals back then, it's not like today we've got tractors and all this sort of thing. (laughs) Your donkeys and horses and oxen and all that, they were the beasts uh, of burden, they they? were the machinery of the day, and they would have worked pretty hard. So the Lord said, There's a rest day for everything and everybody.
3: Mm. Isn't that interesting?
0: Mm. Well, it says to me, God is interested in equality. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. And this is. Not said there, but in other words, it is said. God commanded the people to rest on that day, but not to expect others to carry the burden that
3: they um, were not willing to do not prepared to
0: carry on. Mm, okay. So, and and I've had a situation like this where I had a contract once. I was a professional photographer at one stage. I had a contract. And they decided that, um, and these were larger, rather large photographic sessions with many people, and they decided to um, actually have those um, ceremonies on Sabbath. And I thought, and I thought, how can I get around it? Well, the upshot of it was, there was no way of getting around it. I advertised in the newspaper, and I advertised for other photographers, and i gave the job to them now they could earn about $5000 for one morning's work and one of the uh, respondents to the ad said are you crazy or something i just gave it to them i wanted to keep the lord's sabbath right <laughs> and i gave them the job and um, i couldn't uh, i couldn't say to this photographer look you can do the job but i want 30 or 40 or 50% of it no, I couldn't in, uh, keep the Sabbath according to the principles that God has given here mm. by expecting someone else to do my work.
3: Mm. Len, I appreciate that. I think if we had time for personal testimonies from all of us, it would, it would be really good for our listeners to hear. But seeing you brought it up, I would like to share something that happened a number of years ago to me. I was at the time uh, doing some professional singing training And my singing teacher recommended me for a very prominent part in a musical that was just coming out known as Ruth. No, I was not going to be Ruth. I was going to be Boaz. But I was going to have a leading role in this musical. And it so happened that it was on Friday night and on the Sabbath. And even though it was a a Christian production about a Christian story, we were actually selling tickets and all that sort of thing for it. And I said to the producer, I'm sorry, but uh, I believe that that isn't appropriate for the way God would have me to keep his Sabbath and I often wonder what difference it would have made to my musical career as such had I taken it but I thought and I still do that it was more important to actually honour God and to keep his Sabbath the way that he asks us to do and here you find you use the word Len equality you find a a total equality. Even the animals are resting on the the seventh day of the week. Now, just by way of comparison, we're going to go over to the book of Luke because by the time Jesus came on the scene, they had really got this upside down.
2: Just a little point before we go on, please, Brenton. It says, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God. That, That is also showing that it's the Lord's day it's yes. not you know we hear of the Lord's day spoken of as being another day <coughs> but in actual fact this identifies without a doubt that mm. the Sabbath is the Lord's day. day yeah
3: didn't Jesus say that in Mark 2 27? he said the son of man is Lord also off the Sabbath in the very next verse to what we read at the start of our discussion today he said, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, thus claiming the day as his own. What else does that tell us? It tells us that he's our creator as well. Otherwise, it would be a false claim, wouldn't it? Mm. Len? In
0: Isaiah 58, <clears throat> verse 13,
3: yeah. mm, That's a good
0: one. God again claims the Sabbath as his day, his special day. He does.
3: He yeah. does. Thank you. Okay. We were going to have a look very quickly at uh, the book of Luke. Have a look at Luke chapter 13. It's a story of, uh, <coughs> let's see, It's it runs from verse 10 down to about verse 17, but there's some points that I want to bring out here. Harvey, could you read maybe from verse 12 down to verse 17? I know it's a bit of a a bit of a section but in order to get the
2: full context of what we're talking about I think we need, need to read that much thank you and when Jesus saw her he called her to him and said unto her woman thou art loosed from thine infirmity and he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God and the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people there are six days in which men ought to work In them therefore come and be healed And not on the Sabbath day The Lord then answered him and said Hypocrite Thou hypocrite <laughs> Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath Loose his ox or his ass from the stall And lead him away to watering And ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham Whom Satan hath bound to uh, bound, Lo these eighteen years be loosed from this bond on the sabbath day and when he had said these things all his adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him this is quite a story isn't it mm. what
3: does it tell, tell us about how the jewish nation had so turned the principle of sabbath keeping on its head that they
2: actually saw it was more important to look after an animal than a woman i think you're it was touched on before. It may be. It's the <laughs> the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So it wasn't a case of man had to operate to a whole bunch of, I suppose you could say, rules, yeah. which really were a, completely against what the character of God would allow. Yes.
3: Yes. After good, all, good point, Harvey.
2: Healing is one of the great things that God can do. It's a miracle, and yeah. to think that they would. Complain about somebody being healed on the Sabbath yeah. is amazing. What was the term that
3: Jesus used? You you read it, and perhaps we can go back to it just for a minute. Loosed. Yeah, loosed. Loosed. Now, what was our study today on? Our study is entitled "The Sabbath: A Day of Freedom." Yes, yes,
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> that can be mis- misconstrued too. Okay, freedom, let me you freedom a comment. Freedom do, yeah, freedom to do anything, but no. Freedom for all. It's more to do with freedom for all. Mm -hmm. We could talk about various things here, but, you know, I believe the Sabbath is a real blessing. I've known people who work hard every day of the week and they just burn out. Yes. But the Sabbath is good in as much as it gives us time to step back, to catch our breath, Mm -hmm. and then go on refreshed, and so it 's got a whole lot of blessings, but the thing I wanted to um, bring out here was verse seventeen of Luke thirteen when Jesus had said this, all his opponents were humiliated, humiliated.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. The problem was, and this uh, came out um in some of the other Three miracles, I think there were which Jesus performed yes, we'll on the Sabbath look at them in a minute, yes, not only were the Jewish was the Jewish leadership humiliated, but they were incensed that Jesus would do this on the Sabbath day, they were regarding him as a traitor to the law which he himself had stated, and um, they planned to kill him, and how stupid is that to break a
3: law to keep a law, it's silly Len, that is a a very very good point, I think most of us know that the Jews had according to what I've read 603 rules and regulations for keeping the Sabbath, now I don't know about you Ken, but I would be groaning each time I thought of the Sabbath coming to me, I would think which one am am I, um, have I forgotten to keep or which one I haven't done anything about, to give you some idea um, we can sit here and have a bit of a chuckle about it When we were in Israel earlier this year, my wife and I, we stayed in a uh, hotel in Jerusalem. What was particularly interesting to me was that on the Sabbath, nobody pressed any lift buttons. They had pre-programmed it so that it would stop at all. (laughs) All floors on the Sabbath, so no one would have to touch the lift buttons. True story. Mm -hmm. Yes. So uh, what happened in the time of Christ is still being shall we say practiced in different ways today
1: okay right. sorry can i just ask a question in on yeah. that one if the program to lift were you still fed in the hotel we weren't
3: there on the Sabbath.
1: Oh, you weren't there?
3: But uh, we had checked this one out. Mm. I think another guest had told us that, oh, don't worry about it on Friday night. They've programmed it so it'll stop at all floors on the Sabbath so nobody has to work. I'm only bringing it to your attention not to, to make fun of the Jews, no, but simply like point it. out that the principle is still applicable today.
0: The, the Lord says in Isaiah 58... Mm that we should call the sabbath a delight and i think as you were alluding to before about the 603 rules on the sabbath that would almost be like walking blindfolded through a minefield it would you uh, unless you had a very 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 good memory Mm. Mm. and the jewish the, the jewish people at that time kept the letter of the law Mm-hmm. Rather than the
3: principle of the Sabbath law. Hmm. Thank you, Len. Uh, can I take that one step further? In the time of Christ, who did the Jews see the Sabbath was for? Was it for everyone or just for them? Just for themselves. That's mm-hmm. right, it was just mm-hmm. for them. <clears throat> there is a statement here uh, that I'd like to to read. It says the Sabbath commandment, he explains, this is Sig uh, Tonstad. Uh, says this, the Sabbath commandment, he explains, prioritises from the bottom up and from the top looking down, giving first consideration to the weakest and the most valuable members of society. Those who need rest the most, the slave, the resident alien, the beast of burden, are singled out for special mention. In the rest of the seventh day, the underprivileged, even mute animals, find an ally. I found that a particularly interesting statement mm. that Christ and God have covered everything. They have covered the principle of equality, the principle of rest, and Len, you touched earlier on the fact that the rest is far more than just physical rest; it's it's spiritual rest. And of course, this is alluded to in the Book of Hebrews, isn't it, as well, which we haven't got time to look at today. But um, there were some other examples, Len, that you alluded to: um, days of healing. Can we go over to Matthew 12, verse 9 to 13? And, Len, could you read that one for us? I wonder, Harvey, could you read Mark 1, 21 to 26 for us, please?
0: Matthew 12, 9. i want to read 12, 8 first. Yes, that's fine. Which <clears throat> is a statement Jesus made um, in addressing the Jews at that time. He says, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, yes, so yes, yes. There's no question which the Lord's Day is. It's not Sunday, as many people maintain. It's Sabbath. And we have at least three references in the Bible where it identifies the Sabbath as the Lord's Day. But I'm going on from there. Verse 9 says, Going on from that place, he, that's Jesus, went into their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they, that's the Jews, asked him is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, well if any of you is a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? And then he concludes after giving this illustration therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He demonstrated this as well as speaking about it. So the man stretched it out and it was completely restored just as sound as the other. I'm going to read 14:2, Brendan. That's fine. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus, which I find is just totally ridiculous. Here, (coughs) Jesus is doing good and they want to kill him doing good actually they wanted to kill him because he challenged
3: them i believe he challenged their thinking on what the how the sabbath should be kept yes and they weren't prepared to accept that because that would undermine their authority in front of the people ken did you have any comment on this this is a very interesting example of a healing on the sabbath actually
1: i think looking at it it boils back the way i see it is the the Pharisees and Sadducees, they they had all these rules and regulations that they brought into existence, not from the Lord, which he kept things very, very simple, and they had this standing that they supposedly kept all these things, and so they were in awe of the people, and the people think, oh, these people are really smart, really good, and really clever, but the truth of it was they actually were the worst of anyone there.
3: Yes, yes, that's true. But isn't it sad that um, Sabbath-keeping had degenerated to such an extent that the potential loss of an animal was more important to the scribes and Pharisees than any particular healing? Uh, We need to remember one principle. In, uh, In their day, the Pharisees had decreed that if a person was chronically ill, healing them on the Sabbath was not appropriate. If it was an emergency situation, Harvey, I mean, your wife has worked in aged care and that sort of thing, it was okay to to attend to their immediate needs. But if they were chronically ill and had been for some time, and notice that most of the healings that Jesus did were chronically ill people Mm. that he healed on the Sabbath, which I find particularly interesting. But, Len, you've hit the nail on the head, I believe, when you say that, Rather than seeing that what Jesus was doing was opening up the Sabbath to a whole new dimension that they'd seen before, rather than doing that, they went out and plotted to kill him. They had to restrict his influence or do away with it totally.
0: There's a bit of an issue here which I think it would be good for us as a panel to uh, give some guidance on. I know. Uh, some Sabbath keepers who, after some floods here in South Australia, joined a team and on the Saturday went with their shovels and things to clean up the streets of this town where the floods had been through to make it so that traffic and pedestrians could go through the street again. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a bit of an issue with that. I believe it's good to do good and that's fine just as Jesus said but when one loses sight of what the Sabbath is for your doing good overtakes if you like the reason for worshipping on the Sabbath then I think that doing good is not so
3: good as it might seem Okay, that's an interesting thought Harvey did you have a thought
2: I was just thinking of what Len said before, you know, the, mm. the the fact that the Pharisees were out to work out how to kill him. Mm. So what is, and Len even commented, he said, it's breaking one commandment to try and uphold another one. And breaking the commandment, of course, was mm. thou shalt not murder. Mm.
3: Mm.
2: And that's yeah. what they were trying to do. Mm.
3: Well, let me give you an example of something that happened to Luline and myself. That's my wife. Very early in our marriage, I was asked to preach at a church on the Sabbath. It shall remain nameless, but it was a long, long way from here. And on our way home, after church, well and truly during the hours of the Sabbath, uh, we came across a car that was broken down on the side of the road. We stopped to ask, um, could we be of any assistance? And uh, if, obviously, if it, if it was a mechanical issue... Um, that would have required some significant attention. He said, oh no, look it's pretty simple. He said, we've uh, run out of petrol. I said, well, we'll hop in and we'll take you to the nearest petrol station. So we took him to the nearest petrol station which incidentally was 60 kilometres away, one way. Then we filled a, a jerry can full of petrol and took him back to his car and dropped it off. I said to Lurling, now if I was a good Pharisee, I would have said it's the Sabbath hours. If you're prepared to wait another four hours until the sun goes down, then I'll take you to the nearest service station. So <laughs> I'm just <laughs> presenting the fact that when Christ said that it is well to do good on the Sabbath, you do have to, as Len said, you have to balance the two. But we felt that under the circumstances, we were helping this person out in the best way that we possibly could. Ken, I can see you. I, I you've think got that's, a
1: that's a really interesting little story. And I'm sure there's many of us have similar type of things out there. And the way I would see this is when God is looking at people who are doing these acts, he's looking at their heart.
3: That is true. And what they're
1: thinking. That, that is true.
3: Mm. Thank you. Now, we had another a miracle that Christ had performed on the Sabbath. Thank you, Lynn, for yours and the explanation. But Harvey, I think we're with you in Mark one
2: twenty-one to 26, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yes. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? i know thee who thou art the holy one of god before you go
3: any further harvey just a quick one what was the devil possessed man doing in church ever thought of that one <laughs> seems a bit odd doesn't it well he was where he should
2: be <laughs> he, was,
3: he, he was where he could get the most help
2: <laughs> well jesus spoke about that didn't he, he said um, that's true he's come to for the sick because if they're not sick they don't need a doctor and yes. he was talking spiritually uh,
3: okay keep going but I, I just thought that yeah, was worth bringing out what's a, what's a devil possessed person doing in church
2: and mm. so after the devil spoke mm. and said that Jesus yeah. was the holy one of God Jesus rebuked him saying hold thy peace and come out of him and when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice he came out of him thank you
3: in Len's case we learned the miracle that was performed that Christ's concern was for people in other words, he had genuine concern and compassion for this person who had the withered hand. Correct, Len? And yes. In this particular case, what are we dealing with? We're dealing with deliverance on the Sabbath. Yes. The freedom. Len, did you have a comment on yeah. this?
0: There is at least one religious organization I know of who denies the existence of the devil. Um, I have a lot of problem in accepting their view. In fact, I don't accept it. I think it's wrong. Because the Bible talks about the devil, Satan, that ancient serpent, or the tempter, all sorts of things. And then it talks about devils, and I believe these devils are fallen angels who followed Satan after his rebellion in heaven. And uh, I was thinking when I was preparing for this um, study of people in um, third world countries, primitive yes. countries... Yes how people are devil possessed and it's it's a real thing we don't see a great deal of evidence of it here in Australia I'm sure Harvey's seen it and I've it's recently read a book about mm. some people who were devil possessed and the beautiful thing is they were delivered that the Lord delivered them from this and when a person is devil possessed they're not in control of themselves and I think it must. it's such a wonderful thing that the Lord did for this mm. person mm. that they were doing stuff that they didn't really want to do. It was the devil within them causing them to do that. And when the, they were delivered or that person was delivered of the devil, then he could live a life that he wanted to live. And I'm sure he lived it with appreciation and love for the one who delivered him from that thing
3: mm, thank you Lynn. I've had the experience a couple of years ago of uh, being asked uh, someone rang me and said that their home was possessed uh, with devils or they had demon possession in the home would I come and cast out the devils and my comment was that I can't cast the devil out of anybody <laughs> um, I said there is only one person who can do that Jesus Christ i rang a minister friend of mine and i said i've not had this experience before what should i do and he told me what to do we went to the home and to give you some idea the the uh, the daughter of the lady who contacted me was so terrified she wouldn't go into the house i couldn't get her to go through the door under any circumstances and i said look we're quite safe in here because jesus is here and the angels the the good angels are surrounding us but when we did eventually manage to coax her in when we had prayer this was one of the texts that we actually read of how christ had cast the devils uh, the demon out of this person also the demon out of the um out of the the man in the tombs that went into the pigs we talked about that as well mm. anyway when we did come into prayer i commanded the devils to leave this room and never enter it again in the name of jesus christ and i i didn't speak to the woman subsequently, but I did speak to a friend of hers a week or two later, and she said
2: they've had no more trouble with devil possession there. Yeah. Thank you, Harvey. Just a quick one. Mm. When I worked in Fiji, one day we heard screaming, and the screaming was coming from the college chapel, and that was over a hundred metres away, and it was screaming like you've never heard. Never heard it. Yeah. It was definitely um, not of
3: this earth. No, Supernatural it wasn't. screaming.
2: And through prayer and using the name of Jesus, not me, because i wasn't I, I could hear it I, yeah. because it was right across a valley, yes. um, yeah. and I was, as I said, over a hundred meters away, but that woman now she was freed from the devil possession wonderful and she's now a bible worker for the church and has been for a number of years
3: praise the lord
2: so things do happen even today Mm -hmm. but mostly in third world countries we hear about it but i'm sure it happens here too from time to time without us even recognizing it well what i
3: was sharing with you was something that happened right here in adelaide um moving on quickly because our time is short len is keeping us on track here the very last example used in our study today was the story of the blind man in john 9 verse 1 to 16 clearly we haven't got time to read all those verses but i would like someone to read verse 35 and verse 36 i think harvey could you read verse uh, 35 and 36 of john 9 Um, we know the story well enough the man was blind from birth jesus (coughs) healed him it was a sabbath day the Pharisees did everything they could to confuse him and uh, try and uh, say, well, how do, how come your eyes are open, et etc et cetera. Notice what Christ says when he approaches him on the Sabbath day, later in the day, he asks him a question.
2: I think we have to understand that the verse, first sentence, it says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Yes. This man had been cast out of the synagogue. Yes, yes, he had. He'd gone to church, we <laughs> could say, in our... Know. Yeah. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Okay. So he didn't even know who Jesus was. Mm-hmm. He didn't even know who had actually opened his opened eyes. His eyes. Okay. Okay. but uh, I Keep, think it's keep really reading,
3: Harvey, because <laughs> you've only read half the story.
2: <laughs> and Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with, talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him.
3: Okay. This miracle is yet another of the Sabbath miracles. mentioned. There are two things taking place here. First of all, physical sight is restored. Correct? Wouldn't you also suggest that spiritual sight has also been restored? By way of contrast, keep reading, uh, Harvey, because we now come to a very sad comment to end this particular chapter.
2: And Jesus said, for judgment I am coming to this world that they which see not might see and they which see might be made blind and some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him are we blind also? Jesus said unto them if ye were blind ye should have no sin but now you say we see therefore your sin remaineth Isn't that pretty tragic? Don't That's you see tragic, that as a fairly yeah. tragic comment?
0: Hmm? So this is... Um, brings up another issue we talked about this a few weeks ago or was it last week I think it might have been last
3: week I think it was last week
0: there are sins of what we call commission and then there are sins of omission and I believe this points out that by not believing this was a sin it was a sin of omission rather than something people did deliberately that was wrong
3: Mm. thank you our last section uh, that we're dealing with is uh, entitled Sabbath Rest for the Land. We did touch on this to some degree last week, those of us who were involved in the study. And it's relevant to the fact that every seventh year the land would remain fallow. Now, it's been established, I think, Harvey, on uh, agricultural principles that this is actually a very good idea, isn't it? You yes, the land cert- arrest
2: every seven years? Mm. It certainly is. I was mm. brought up on a farm. We used to grow wheat and oats and barley, etc. And it was a case of that you wouldn't actually work the land every year. There would be times when you, you left it fallow. Yeah.
3: Mm. How did they survive in that seventh year? Can anyone answer the question? Obviously, they were told not to plant. There were two ways that they were able to uh, survive. What were they? Mm.
2: Well it said actually that uh, if you didn't plant what did grow because you do get regrowth they could use that for food and uh, that was really the way it happened.
3: That's true and the other way of course was that God would look after them during that particular period so that again not clearly stated here but again the principle would be that God would provide enough in the sixth year to get them through the seventh year together with that which naturally grew. (laughs) From the soil. It says, like the manna God provided to the Israelites in the wilderness, uh, not planting crops for a season was an act of trust that God would provide enough in the previous year. In a sense, the people needed to learn that they didn't have to oppress others in order to provide for themselves. I found that a rather interesting comment, oh. that uh, we're not to oppress others, we are to trust in the Lord. That trust doesn't apply to a specific group of people. It applies to everybody. Everyone has the opportunity, (coughs) don't they, Ken, of being able to to trust in the Lord. Any other comments on that before we move on? Because our time is nearly up.
0: I have a comment. Thank you, Ken.
3: Um, Len?
0: Ken and Len. Ken and Len, (coughs) yes. (laughs) The comment is this. God cares for his creation. God was very disappointed just before the flood that People were so steeped in sin and also not caring for the environment. But God cares for the environment too. And as Christians, we are to care for the environment. I've uh, written some history about some areas here in South Australia. And the first year when the settlers came in and they sowed their crops, they produced well. Next year, they didn't produce quite as well. After that, they didn't produce as well again. And it wasn't long before a lot of that land became virtual desert. Mm-hmm. And it just shows the principle that God has in giving the environment, giving people a rest is uh, is a restorative process.
3: Yeah, thank you, Len. That's a, that's a very good point. If, if any one of you have done any study on early South Australian history, you'll realise that uh, the principle that uh, many of our forebears who came from England to settle this country thought along the lines of was rain follows the Mm plough. They were actually growing wheat as far up as a place called Farina, F-A-R-I-N-A, which is not far short of Maree. Now, rest assured, that is no prime agricultural land in South Australia. But it's, it's very interesting that a man by the name of Goida, was commissioned by the government to go north and we've all heard of Goida's line I can take you to a place out from Borough where you can almost see the difference in the vegetation between one side and the other side <laughs> so it's, it's, it's very very interesting that God did know what he was doing and asking them to do this I have a closing statement that I wanted to share with you in regard to the Sabbath the Sabbath is God's memorial the Sabbath is God's sign he said that in Ezekiel 20, didn't he? He said, it's my sign that I am sanctifying you. Mm. Now, here's something to just think about for our listeners. When Christ went back to heaven, he left nothing material of his own for people to worship. Yes. Nothing. In the chapel of St. Lawrence in Rome, there is a sign that says the most holy place. The altar says there is no holier place in the world. Why is this considered the most holy place in the world? Because it's full of dead relics. Christ's Sabbath was something that he gave to mankind. He didn't want anything that we could make or put into practice or invent to represent him. He was the one who put it in place and said, this is how you are to remember me as your creator and your redeemer. I think it's time for us to close.
0: <laughs> it is, and that's a beautiful thought that God gave us a memorial of himself and an illustration of himself in the Sabbath, but it's in time, not in some icon or
2: something like that. Thank you,. How are you closing with prayer today? I'm happy to. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for the study we've had today. We thank you for the fact that you gave us the Sabbath where we could rest. And we pray that each of us will realize that it's been given as a gift to us and we can use the Sabbath as a time of refreshing, a time of spiritual uplift. And may we experience that, each one, for Jesus' sake. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen.